Welcome to Pet Chat. Sort of Wednesday afternoon, Greg Richard. Joined today by Cheryl Shaw and Dr. Kimberly Earl. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks for having us. Yes, our pleasure, isn't it, Kimberly? It is. Well, that's good. That's good news. It's your pleasure. <laughs> what have you got for us today, too? Oh, well, I'm going to be talking about cats and bathing them. Okay, that sounds fun. That sounds times. very fun. Yeah, most cats don't like water. <clears throat> no, they don't. I don't know why. I can tell you that. Oh, excellent. Well, we'll find out more yes. after a little bit. What do you got for us as well, Kimberly? Uh, well, depending on how many calls we get, we might still. Um, I've still been wanting to talk about nutrition of guinea pigs and rabbits. Right. So that's Going good. back a few weeks. Okay. We never got to it. And at Cheryl, I should have mentioned the brace before, Ants. I didn't follow protocol. Oh, the protocol. Now we've got a cat with an umbrella. And we're talking about washing cats. Yes, keeping them nice and healthy and clean. Apparently it's not a drama, easy to do. Look, cats <laughs> usually don't like water. There are some cats who do like water, but majority of cats don't like water. And the reason that they don't want to get wet is because when they get wet, their fur can take a long time to dry and they don't obviously want to have that burden. And also, they can't move as quickly. So, you know, cats really do like to... Um, not be, um, you know, sort of slow. They like to be able to pounce on things and move fast. And when they're wet, that actually slows them down. And also because they take so long to dry, they can get chills. So cats are pretty smart. They don't want to get wet. They'd rather leave that to the dogs. So... Why would we want to bath a cat? There are some times that we know that cats do look after their, their own grooming. Mostly, you know, they spend about six to eight hours a day licking and cleaning themselves. But there's sometimes cats are unwell. And if you've got an arthritic cat or an elderly cat, they often can't clean themselves properly. And then they can develop all sorts of skin problems. They might go off to the vet. And Kimberly, sometimes the vet will prescribe like a medicated shampoo for a wash. Mm -hmm. Yep. So sometimes when they're, they've got this, we go, okay, we've now got to bath the cat. How are we going to go about it? And it's really important to make sure that the area that you're going to use um, to bathe the cat, that, that it's nice and warm. <coughs> Pardon me. Nice and warm. And also that you're keeping windows and doors closed just in case the cat jumps out of the bath and, you know, takes off. Because <laughs> the last thing you want is to be trying to find a cat that's still got soaps and suds in it and um, it's going to need to be rebathed. So when you're setting up the cat for for the bath, put down in the tub or wherever you're bathing the um, animal, put down something nice and soft like a towel so that the cat can actually put its claws into that and dig its claws in as it's being bathed. Make sure you have everything ready. Don't sort of just think, oh, yeah, I'll just nick off and get, you know, something else. Make sure you've got all of your shampoos, lots of towels, not just one towel. You're going to need a few towels to do this job. And um, making sure that the shampoo you're using is great for you know, for the cat. It's got to be one that's designed for its skin and um, making sure that it's not too um, strong because a lot of cats don't like perfumes and mm -hmm. things like this. They're, they find them really offensive. So making sure you've got a good quality product that you're going to use to bathe the cat in. Once you start... Making sure that you, um, when you have leathered up the cat, that you're really getting all of the oils and grease. Some cats are really greasy and you need to, you know, strip that grease out as much as you can so that the hair isn't all clumped together. And then after you've rinsed, I always say rinse again because there will be residue left there that can make the cat really itchy. And we don't want them ingesting any of that shampoo or residue that's left on them either when they do start um, licking themselves. The other thing is when you finish rinsing, wrap the cat in a towel like a 
burrito. So it's wrapped <laughs> and tight. And then stand the cat on another towel so that you can um, it can wick some of the, the um, water out of its paws and feet while it's standing there. And really vigorously rub that cat and get as much moisture out as you possibly can. Now you do need to be careful. Some cats don't really enjoy this whole experience <laughs> mm. and they can bite you or scratch you. So it's really important to try and stay calm and give the cat confidence that you know you're in control. Um, but after you finish toweling, you can use a hairdryer if the cat will tolerate it, but don't have it on a high heat setting because this again can cause problems with the cat overheating. And try and get as much of that moisture out of the cat as you can. If the cat won't tolerate um, a hairdryer, you can use some of the fan um, heaters that are available and place that down with the cat in front of it. Some cats will quite happily, you know, sit there and lick themselves and, you know, sort of do a bit of preening. But there's a lot of a lot of reasons why cats, you know, arthritic cats, when they can't look after themselves as they get older, it's really important that we are keep keeping them nice and clean, making sure that um, when we're bathing them that we're looking if there's any lumps or bumps or things that we haven't seen before. When they're wet, it gives you that opportunity to really inspect the coat of the cat. Um, if you get kitten, a little kitten is really a great thing um, to introduce them to water very early because if you let them play around the sink, you know, a few toys on, you know, ping pong balls yep. or little floaties, they'll often just pour at those things in the sink and that can get them used to water. I know years ago we had a Siamese cat and every time we put bubble bath in the, the bath, <laughs> the cat would jump into the bath and play with the bubbles. Mm. But other times, you know, when you go to bath the cat, it was, uh-oh, no, we're not doing so this. Do yep. Yeah. So, you know, if you introduce them early, enough they can enjoy it um, a lot of show people people that show cats they bath their dog um, their dogs their cats really mm -hmm. regularly so you know you can get them used to it but for most cats yep they don't really want to be bathed so long sleeve shirts Yep. yep, and some big gloves. No, just joking. Um, try and make it really positive, you know, and if you do introduce them to them to a bath early, this can often, you know, just help them realise that this is part of a normal process. But, yeah, just making sure that you do get them dry after they're bathed. We don't want them to chill off. I suppose, is that the same with dogs as well? Like if dogs haven't been near water as a puppy and then you throw dogs to the water as well, a bit later they'll be going, oh, what's this? Yeah, uh, one of the big problems with dogs and getting bathed is if people use a hose on the dog, often some dogs, um, people use hoses for punishment as well as bathing and then the dog makes a very mm. negative association yep. with the hose. Um, and some dogs don't like the water to be so cold, cold. either. Mm. Yeah. yeah, cold water. Yeah, yeah. they don't like it. Mm. Yeah. So warmish water. Mm. Yeah, nice warm water. Yeah, and cats too. You want to make sure, you know, if you think about um, everybody can sort of think about the cat that likes to lie in the sunbeam. Cats like to be warm. Um, so, you know, making sure that the water is warm, making sure that the room, like Cheryl said, is really warm, giving them a nice warm place to lie and dry off. And, and I mean, they'll sit there and lick themselves for hours after you've bathed them regardless. Um, but making sure that they've got a nice warm space to do that, they'll be much happier. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing with cats laying in the sun, they actually um, absorb the vitamin D from the sun on their fur and then they lick that and that's how they get their vitamin D. Oh, really? Oh, oh. Oh, a little fun fact there. <laughs> yes, a little fun fact, yes. yes. <laughs> well, there you go. So warm water. I suppose we don't like having cold showers either. So mm, not for me. Our, our, <laughs> pets, yeah, yeah. our pets don't want a cold, cold bath as well. No. Because yeah. we've got Jo from Mayfield, and she wants to know if it's okay for a cat to eat porridge. Jo. <laughs> yes, hi. Um, it's a strange question, I know. Um, but I just wanted to know whether cats are okay with oats and porridge because um, our cat has 
taken a um, an interest and a like in so much so that she grabbed my bowl off me of a morning when I'm eating porridge. So I made her her own this morning, a little um, tablespoon. And I thought before we start making a habit of this, <laughs> I thought I should just check if this is something that is acceptable to a cat. Right, yeah. And is it um, like, is it the milk she's wanting or she's actually wanting the porridge, the oats? She eats the whole thing. So I, the way okay. I make it is yeah. with um, like some, some oats, um, some water and some milk and yeah. put it on and then put it into a bowl after it's all cooked. Yeah, and okay. Yeah, so she's eating it sort of as, as I guess, it's like a liquid solid type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think if it's a small volume and you're just really using it as a little bit of a treat, it's probably not a problem. Um, right. We do think that cats are probably better off from a nutrition standpoint eating a grain-free diet. The same is not right. the, not true for dogs. We don't actually think yes. that grain-free diets for dogs are healthy. Um, but, again, if it's a small amount, um, it's probably, you know, fairly creamy and she probably does, you know, enjoy a little bit. And if it's just a small little bit of a treat and you're not using it as a major portion of her food, you know, for the day, um, then there's not really any problems with it that I could see. Yes. I mean, I would just watch what her, watch what her stools are doing, making sure she's not getting um, diarrhea or constipation, anything like that. But it's probably Uh, not a major drama. Mm. Right, so just like a tablespoon a day, is that okay? Yeah, or, that's probably um, fine. Too much? Yeah, no, oh, I okay, think that's brilliant. probably fine. I would cap it at that amount, but yeah. Right. <laughs> she also eats our dog's liver treats. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that an issue? Um, again, as long as you're feeding them in treat proportions and yeah, not huge yeah, yeah, quantities, yeah, tiny, then it's yeah. not going to be mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. Brilliant. That's fine. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're very that. welcome. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting. Bye-bye. My my parrots love porridge as well because I'm in winter time. I am often a porridge eater. Yep. Um, and my I have a gala and a little conure, and they love the porridge as well. So I do give them a little bit, but um, before I've got any you know sweeteners or milk on it, we don't recommend any milk for birds. And I just make my porridge with water, so there's no lactose so or anything in it. Lighting yeah. it up with brown sugar yeah. as well, and. Not until after I give it to the birds. I like the brown sugar, but the birds don't get the brown sugar. So, yeah, just as a an aside. Oh, fair enough. Okay. I suppose just think of that. What else does a cat eat as well? What she's else? after porridge, she might be after a few more things. Oh, yeah. Like, Listen, I mean, cats, I mean, some cats are very like just set on, they just want their meaty foods and other yep. cats are quite happy to eat a wide range of sorts of things. Um, we just, you know, I think from a health standpoint, they're better off. Cats are much more carnivorous than, um, you know, they're obligate carnivores more than dogs are. So um, we don't want to be giving too much, like, you know, you wouldn't give your cat the crust of bread and toast or whatever lots of people do that with their dogs and there's no problems with that Um, but you wouldn't do that with a cat to the same degree so i don't think dogs give much of your choice really well oh there's always a choice (laughs) there's always a choice my dog doesn't get any of that sort of stuff she gets a little bit of uh, banana and carrot here and there and then she gets her dog food and that's pretty well all um so it's really what you're what you teach them is acceptable yeah yeah what you're prepared prepared to give them so yeah um i mean i suspect that the cat in this case might be liking the creaminess from the milk and things you know cats certainly um are very fond of dairy that doesn't necessarily mean they need it but um they're certainly very fond of it so the creaminess might be attracting it so we've got tony from weston and he's looking for strategy about visiting friends with nervous or boisterous dogs 
Is it? Ah, am I on the air? You, yep. you are, yeah, Tony. Oh, so, okay. I wanted to talk to Cheryl Shaw, the world famous groomer and owner of Dog Overboard. <laughs> uh, I have some friends who had a very boisterous standard poodle that jumped up and broke my nose on one occasion. And so whenever I go around there now, they've still got more standard poodles. I'm just looking for strategies to be able to not upset them, but be safe in the house and uh, avoid the boisterous dogs. Okay, so maybe these dogs need to be locked away. <laughs> I think your friends need to protect you a little bit better from the boisterous dogs. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know it sounds a bit dumb, doesn't it? <laughs> no, not really. Some dogs do get very excited when people arrive and one of their things that they do is is tend to jump and, and carry on like that. But I think if the dogs are put on a leash and held by the owner, that would off, obviously help if they get them under control. Um, it's not unusual for dogs to get excited, though, when people do come along. You don't think that the owners would get upset if I asked them to leash their dogs? No, I think that would be an excellent idea. I, hope, oh, like I, I would hope they wouldn't get excited. But if you do come across a, um, a really boisterous dog like that, Tony, um, I would uh, encourage you to do the same things that we tell kids. You know, kids are often um, much lower to the ground and even a small boisterous dog actually can reach, you know, quite high up on a child. Um, and we tell them to um, put their hands by their side or their hands across their chest and turn the backs, your, their backs to the dog. Because um, really most dogs, most of the time, dogs who are boisterous are trying to... To greet you and they're excited and, and usually that's with um, good naturedness um, and they'll often sort of go oh I, I want to interact with this person but you turning your back on the dog can often be an indication that actually I'm not happy with this interaction um, you know if you see other dogs when they when they don't want to play they sort of they'll, they'll roll or they'll tuck their tail and turn away and so by you turning your back to the dog it often gives them a signal that um, that you're not happy with that interaction if they're a dog that's well socialized and, and is okay at picking up cues, they'll sort of go, oh, okay, hang on, I've just done something this person doesn't like. He's not interacting with me. Um, and so once they calm down, you can, you know, sort of like turn away, turn back towards them and, and sort of try to interact with them. But um, really from a from a polite dog owner sort of standpoint, people obviously should be teaching their dogs to um, greet new visitors and things like that really calmly and if the dog isn't capable of doing that or doesn't know how to do that yet then it's absolutely acceptable um, and and should be you know the dog should be greeting them on a, on a leash should be greeting you on a leash or sometimes the dogs just need a bit of time to calm down they've heard um, you know the footsteps walking up onto the step they've heard the doorbells go they got really excited about that I always put my dog out in the backyard and let her watch the lay of the land before I in, you know um, invite people into the house and and sometimes Sometimes somebody, you know, sort of shows up that I'm not expecting and I'll just say, just a minute, I'm just going to put the dog out the back. And we put the dog out the back so that the dog can see what's there and she'll be bouncing around, but it's, you know, safe. My dog's super friendly, but that's not to say that she couldn't jump up on a little old lady or jump up on a child and knock them over and and still cause some damage. So um, I absolutely think, and particularly if a dog's jumped up, you know, again, the dog probably didn't necessarily mean to but if they've jumped up and, and knocked you in the nose and broken your nose it's absolutely acceptable to say you know 
coming over, could you just have your dog on the leash? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, I'll yeah. pass that on to them. I, uh, they're very special friends of mine, and I certainly wouldn't want to upset them. I hope they don't listen to this. Oh, well. <laughs> and, then, and then the thing is that, I mean, if you want to interact with the dog, then once the dog is calm, you know, ask them to let the dog in to get closer to you because the dogs might maybe be like, oh, this is Uncle Tony. Uncle Tony's here. I really want to see them. Um, but, yeah, we just want to, you know, always try to engage with them when the dog is calm. Um, and hopefully the dog will sort of learn then actually Uncle Tony doesn't want to engage unless I'm calm and so I have to try to you know keep myself calm okay good luck with it thank you and thank you to Cheryl Shaw the world famous groomer and owner of dog boy <laughs> thanks Tony <laughs> bye we've got Dulcie from Raymond Terrace and she's got three small dogs who bark like crazy at any noise that is outside hi Dulcie tell, tell us about your little dogs quickly Radio, they bark at any little sound and they also do what the other person said where you said you've got to put them on a lead until they calm down if anyone comes in the house Mm -hmm. because they do that too. They jump all over them. Yeah, Um, yeah. But the barking, I've tried those collars to stop them from barking. I've tried, you know, the water water in the spray bottle. Um, I've tried having a stern voice. (laughs) Yep. So, I mean, Dulcie, the, the, the thing that we have to realize is that uh, barking is a normal behavior for dogs, yeah, right? It's right. it's un- inappropriate for us. We don't like it because it's noisy. Um, I guess the thing to think about is why are the dogs barking? Are they barking because they're excited? They know what's going on outside. Are they barking because they're feeling protective about, um, you know, something that's startling them? Um, it's sometimes helpful to look and see whether you have one dog that's the instigator or if they're all just, yeah, you know, getting each other poodle. barked up. The instigator, yeah. and I think that's because he has, like, I think it's anxiety with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes what we have to try to do, and it's a long process, but we have to try to um, build a positive association between noises outside the house um, and a food treat so that instead of the dogs being, oh, God, that's scary, um, they sort of go, oh, I hear something. Maybe if I look around and find mom, there'll be a food treat and I can try to, we need to try to get them to pause um, rather than barking. A lot of those things that you've discussed or that you've mentioned, collars and spray bottles, unfortunately, those are punishment techniques. And we actually don't believe in punishing dogs for normal behaviors it's a little bit like punishing a human for going to the bathroom because it's a normal behavior that they you know want to do so if it's really bothering you it it is it's a complex um sort of thing to retrain and to reassociate it's definitely worthwhile talking to a veterinary behaviorist or at least your local veterinarian seeing if you can get some tips and tricks and and have them you know have a discussion about your nervous dog some sort of spray stuff. It was them that told me about the collars. Yeah, the um, the citronella collars, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So still, we still consider that a, um, a punishment technique and there are better ways to go about it. And I guess um, yeah. particularly if you think you have a, 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 one of the dogs there is an, an anxious dog, it's probably better to look at addressing the anxiety and then sort of trying to teach the dogs, you know, when it's appropriate to bark and not. And, and some people would certainly say that teaching the dogs to bark on command, giving them a command, often gives you a bit more control over that behavior as well Um, but you know maybe have a discussion with there are some really good um, veterinary behaviorists in our area these days so it's maybe worthwhile um, looking at talking to one of them yeah yeah, okay yeah okay thank you good luck okay thanks it's pet chat on two and you rfm got time for a couple more calls we've got janine from a and she's got new neighbors they've got two boxes 
And one's pretty aggressive, barking and jumping on the fence, and she wants to know how can she make friends with the dogs. Hi, Janine. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. So are you a dog person? Do you like dogs? I love dogs. Great. Um, <laughs> I am a bit anxious around this one, though, because yep. um, he barges at the wire fence, and, yep. and every time I'm out there gardening or... Um, yeah, just work walking along my driveway. Yeah. He runs up fast, which okay. is fine. And I talk to him soothingly and yeah. I say hello. And we talk to the neighbours on the other side of the fence so that they know that we're friendly. Yep. Um, I keep trying to talk to him, but every time he does, he just barges. And yeah. if I'm not paying attention, he barges bodily head through the fence <laughs> and really barging yeah. at me. I'm yeah. not paying attention. I nearly have a heart attack. Okay, so. and so can he? He can see you, so it's not a colour bond fence or anything. He can actually see you through the fence. No, we're on acreage, so it's oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is um, go and meet the dog with the owners present in their. You know, have the owners invite you actually onto their property and things like that, um, because fence lines for some dogs are you know a territorial boundary, and so. He's still, even though he's probably, you know, he's seen you talking and things like that and you're not sort of threatening, he's kind of protecting his boundary. But you actually really want to make friends with him. Um, take some treats over. Ask the neighbours if you can give him some treats. Like you want him to sort of be looking for you and be ba- and be barking with excitement rather than, um, you know, protectiveness. I mean, boxers, luckily boxers aren't particularly aggressive dogs they're very boisterous quite often it does sound like he's um you know sort of defending um his new territory but i think you want to go and and have a chat with the new neighbors and you know meet him and if you can try to really make a you know build a bit of a little bond sort of with him so that when he's um you know outside and he sees you that he he maybe starts to look to you for something you know that's you know, a, a treat is coming, you know, that sort of thing. And it might be that you have to walk over depending on how big your property is, but it might be that you have to sort of walk over and, you know, have a little, like a little bonding session. Here's a little treat if you're allowed to feed him treats. Um, yeah. And then hopefully he'll let you get on his way. It sounds a little bit like, um, you know, the post off, the, the postman, he's barking and the postman comes and he drops the mail in the mailbox and then he goes away and the dog's like, ooh, 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 I'm going to defend my property. And every time time the dog is right because every time he thinks I've barked and I'll chase you away and because the postman is just on his route and he's always going to go away the dog feels like he's you know he's done exactly what he was intending to do and so it sounds like this dog's doing a little bit of that where he's you know he's he's barking and he's defending his territory and you're sort of staying away which is working Um, but we actually want to try to build a little bit of a bond with that dog and you know presuming that he actually is a friendly dog but I think you want to do it probably not across the fence you want to probably do it face to face where you can go and have a nice pat and a cuddle and give them some treats if you're allowed and um, you know hopefully they'll invite you onto their property for a little bit so you can actually make friends with him um, so that he looks forward to seeing you outside rather than you know just sort of being protective. Okay, that sounds like a good plan. Okay. I've done that. I've done it on my side of the fence, but I haven't done it on their side. Yeah, yeah. I would do it on their side of the fence. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll try that. Excellent. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. It's Petrol on 2 in your RFM team. We're almost out for another week, but before we go, we've got Cat of the Week. We've got some beautiful kittens, some six-month-old kittens. It's two. Winnie and Mavis up for adoptions. Yeah, six-month-old kittens, but they've got to be together apparently. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty sensible. Cats often do really well um, together if they're home. So it says that these two kittens are females and they are six months old. Um, one of them is a little bit more outgoing and the other one is a little bit more nervous. So they want to give the cats um, a home together so that the one that's a little bit more nervous can be supported by her sister. Um uh, it says Mavis is a little bit scared of loud noises and unfamiliar uh, things, but once she gets going, she can be playing for hours. So um, I think cats, when you get them together, it's a much better plan getting them as a pair than getting one and then trying to introduce another cat down the road who they might not like. These cats are already bonded. Yep. It's definitely worthwhile, you know, rehoming them together. And it's not that much more difficult to have one, uh, two cats than it is to have one cat. Okay, team, we're out for another week. Thank you very much That's for coming it. in. Thank you. And we'll be back in next week for Pet Chat. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.